This is not a moment that I was prepared for. Not a moment that you can. It's a moment that you, ex- I, I think, you just simply experience. But through the grace of Christ, it can be good. I'm grateful for te- every one of you that's gathered here today, for hundreds that greeted our family yesterday. And to you, I say thank you. For those of you that have traveled many miles or flown to share in our grief and in our pain and in our attempt to honor and celebrate a life redeemed by a Savior. To you, I say thank you. And though things happened so quickly on Friday, I feel like I've had endless hours to think about my dad. I've thought through memories and moments and words and feelings. Dad was many things to many people. A son, a brother, a friend, a helper, a father, a bargain buyer, (laughs) a jokester, a minister, and a dad. But he loved to be a preacher. So for a few moments this morning, In His honor and in God's glory, I think it'd be fitting for our hearts to commend Him to God with some preaching. I've always wanted to make my dad proud. I've always wanted to get his approval. But he was so caring and he was so loving that I don't remember a moment in my life where I felt like I needed to earn either of those. In the fleeting last moments of his life, he did not have time to give us final words or tell us final wishes or desires verbally. And so I've been thinking for the last few days, things that dad wanted, things that he wanted in his life, not just after he was gone, but while he's here on earth. And what did he want for his wife? What did he want for his parents? What did he want for his children, for his grandchildren, for his family? What did he want for his church that God had privileged him to serve? What did he want for other pastors? As you see this today, he's a friend. What did he want for this community? And truthfully, as there's missionaries here and church planners here today, what did he want for this world? And I keep coming back to three main words as I think about my dad. Just at least for me individually, you may not have felt this way. Maybe you knew him in this way and maybe you didn't. But my dad for my life, for my mom, for my brothers, I know he always wanted us to have three things. Peace and joy and faith. He worked hard to make sure that we were cared for and we didn't have to worry. That we would have peace and he always knew how to do that in a way. Sometimes he chose to walk away from a conversation that I may not have thought was finished. (laughs) And no one had won. But he did it so we could have peace. 
he would uh, do whatever he had. He worked hard to ensure our peace and shelter us from circumstances in our church and from families that we needed to be shielded from. He didn't talk always about trouble at work or personally or things that he faced in the ministry. He always wanted my mom to know that she was taken care of, that she would be at peace. And even, even the way that he would hold his grandchildren and whisper in their ear, he just desired peace. In his church, he desired peace. Whether it meant being with you in your darkest moment, or listening, or bearing the burdens of prayer, sending a gift, making a phone call, providing groceries, telling you a joke, he just wanted you to have peace. If it meant he needed to counsel you, or help you, he, he would try. Or as I've watched him many times before, and it's meant more to me over and over, as the older I get, if it meant he had to let you go. He would watch a grieving family whose life had been invested here in ministry lose a loved one or have a circumstance or a broken relationship or a broken family. And he knew that for their peace, they needed to be somewhere else. And I've seen him encourage people and say, if you can't find God's peace here, I just want you to go find it. And relationships change, but he just wanted peace. He loved to bring joy from paying for vacations to buying the most thoughtful gifts. From jars of water that he gathered at the 9-11 memorial for John, probably illegally. <laughs> gave it to him for Christmas when he was in the army. Bracelets that he gave us inscribed to let us know how proud and encouraged he wanted to be towards his sons. As I've gotten into hunting the last few years, the commercial meat grinder that he gave me, <laughs> and then could not contain himself and had to tell me that it was a $500 commercial meat grinder <laughs> that he got for $30. <laughs> How he tickled his grandchildren because he wanted to hear them laugh. How he sang, you are my sunshine. Oh, he spoiled. Took so much time with people of all ages, types, looks, and backgrounds. He just wanted to bring joy. And most importantly, he always encouraged us to have faith. And he quietly and faithfully pointed us to Christ. And when I think about those words, peace and joy... And faith, I don't think I ever really comprehended how Christ-like that really was. And as I think, and this week was thinking about those three words, and I've been thinking through just comforting passages, and I was taken to John 14. If you have a Bible, you can go there. If not, I, you can listen. And there's verses there that we're familiar with. Some of them have already been read today. Let not your hearts be troubled. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Dad's not building anything. Jesus is. But Jesus desires something for us too. I want to read you some verses at the end of chapter 14. Jesus is facing the last hours of his life. And in that moment, he wanted to encourage his followers, his disciples, those that he loved. And there's three things 
that he tells them that he wants for them. He says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost from the Father, will send, I will send in my, the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And then Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Have peace. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice. And you'd have joy. Because I say I go unto my Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now, I have told you before it came to pass, come to pass, that when it is come to pass, you might believe. And Jesus, in the final moments of His life, much like my dad has tried for all of my life, wanted his followers and his loved ones to have peace, to have joy, and to have faith. And my dad is not here this morning. And he understood for a long time in his life that he could not give perfect peace. And he could not give complete joy. And he could not make us have faith. But he could point us to one who does. So this morning I want us to think not about an imperfect man, but about his perfect Savior. Whose burden on the moments that he was about to face the worst torture this world has ever known. Who's going to die a cruel death on a cross. Who's going to bear the weight and the shame and the guilt and the, of the sins of all men. He wanted in that moment... And He wants in this moment for us to have peace, to have joy, and to have faith. And as He walks through and He tells them those things, He doesn't just say, have peace, have joy, have faith. He goes further. He tells us why and He tells us how. Verse 30, He says, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. But, the world, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. And then you like these words. Dad was big for the moment in those movies, you know, where it's like the hero says that one word and, you know, whatever. And here's one of Jesus finishing saying, it says, Arise and let us go hence. And Jesus states to these people that he wanted to have peace and joy and faith. He says, here's why you can have it. I'm going to go die. You say, how am I supposed to have peace? And how am I supposed to have faith? And how am I supposed to have joy when you're telling me that you're going to go die? When everything's going to seem wrong and when sin seems to win and when Satan seems to have conquered in that moment when you're going to be tortured and we're going to watch and we may doubt. How are we supposed to have faith? How can we have joy in this moment of sorrow? How can we have peace? How can we have joy? How can we have faith? And Jesus says, I'm telling you this because I want you to know that in a moment I'm going to die. And he says, the prince of this world cometh, but he makes it very clear he's not why I'm dying. Sin is not why I'm on the cross. Though it is His motivation, sin did not conquer Him putting Him on the cross. 
And when he says in verse 30, the prince of this world cometh, and he, then he says those words, and hath nothing in me. It means literally, I have, it has no claim to me. It's because he knows those disciples are going to be doubting in a moment as they watch him hang on a cross, and they think maybe he wasn't sinless. Maybe he wasn't this son of God. Maybe he can't be this perfect Savior. And Jesus lets them know ahead of time, he has nothing in me. And when I'm hanging there on the cross, it's not because of Satan. It's not because of sin. It's not because I've failed. It's not because I'm weak. Why? In verse 31, it's because I love my Father. Love drove Him to the cross. Satan didn't conquer Him. And this morning as we think about my Earthly Father. We think, how can so many things be wrong with this world? All the pain and the terrible things, where do they come from? They come from hearts devoid and, and unfilled of no faith, no peace, and no joy. This is the root of those things, was His death on the cross. And his message to us this morning, like it was before he went to the cross, his message for this man's life is the same. And Jesus says, hey, because he's, not because of what he's done, not because he's great, not because he's perfect, because he's not. He wasn't sinless. He wasn't perfectly holy and righteous. As many of you may know, but Jesus says, because he trusted in me, when you look at this body that his soul used for 55 years, Satan has nothing in him. Sin has no claim. As I held him in those last moments, when I step back and think about the last few days, I saw nothing come over him. Death didn't spring up with viney fingers and pull him away. Death has nothing in him. Uh -huh. Jesus says, he's got him. Death has nothing in him. He's free from sin. He's rejoicing with the Savior. And he puts that mission into light saying, I am driven by love. Satan has no power over a sinless man. And though he wasn't sinless, his Savior was. And he conquered all things for it. Dad fought so many battles for us as kids. But there was one he couldn't fight. One that he had to trust to his Savior. One that was fought thousands of years ago. One that he loved and that now he's entrusted us to. And so for a moment, 
almost in reverse order, maybe in the order that we receive them. Because Dad can no longer give us that peace. He can no longer physically bring us things that bring us joy. Because he can't put his hand on our shoulder and encourage us to have faith. I want to look at the one who can. He says in that verse, peace I give to you. Then he says that you would rejoice. But then he finishes all by saying, when it has come to pass, I'm telling you this now so that you'll believe. So as Jesus has done all these works for his disciples, he's worked miracles. Can you imagine being there? Dad was baffled by some of those and just he wanted to be there at so many of them. And he, you know, he, we talked so many times last few days, he just liked to ask questions. What was it like? How did this happen? And, you know, maybe he's asked a question. I have no idea. But these disciples, they got to watch all of those things and experience all of those things and see him heal people and raise them from the dead and feed thousands and teach mercifully his grace and gospel. He, he tries to encourage them a little further. And he says, you can have faith because what does he add to it? He predicts some things. He says, I'm going to die. Why am I telling you that I'm going to die? Because I'm going to raise again. Why am I going to tell you that I'm going to raise again? So that you might believe. If you didn't believe because of the faith, or because of the miracles, and because of the actions, and because of the deeds, and because of how I care for you, believe because of this. I'm in control. I know what's happening, and I know what's coming, and I know what you need, and it's my grace and death on the cross. And he tells us that it's coming before it comes. Why? So that we can have faith. So his disciples could have faith. His point was to make it clear who's in charge. It's not Satan. It's not Pilate. It's not Herod. It's not the Jews. It isn't the soldiers. My Father is in charge. And by His command, no one takes my life from me. And as He carries one of us, no one takes His life from Him. I only give life. Therefore, trust me and have faith. And if it was true in the darkest hour of history, it's true in my darkest hour. If he's in control when he goes to the cross, if he's in control when he rests in death, if he's in control when he raises to life, he's in control right now. And I can have faith Verse 28, he says, I've heard I'll say unto you, I go away and come, come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice. That's joy. He said, you'd take joy in this. Why? Because I said, I go unto my Father, for my Father is greater than I. What is he trying to get us to have joy in Jesus talking to his disciples? He says, hey, when I say I'm going to die, don't frown. Don't look so terrible. Look, Jesus says, I love my Father. I love that one that I have been with for eternity, and I'm going back to him. And so if you want to feel a certain way about this, feel joy, because I'm going to him. Take joy in the fact that I'm going to be near to my God. He is God himself, but near to his father. And then he turns the application towards us. So we can be joyful. And being near to our God. If Jesus is saying, take joy in the fact that I'm going to be near to God, we can take joy 
and the fact that we can be near to him too. And it should fill my heart with joy that Don Sumter is as close to God as he could ever be. And Jesus saying all those years ago, have joy. This is where I'm going. He's saying to us this morning, have joy because it's where he is. He goes further, he says, you can have joy now if you're near to me. Through my spirit, through the gospel, through my death on the cross, you can be near, you can be as near to God today as you could possibly be. And that is what brings joy. Not as the world gives. The world could give us joy this morning. They would have been able, would have been able to restart his heart. If the world could give us joy, and though we may enjoy it for a moment, He'd be with us today. That would be the joy the world would give. But Jesus says, I give greater joy. Because though you're not near Him anymore, you can be near to me. And He points us to faith and to joy to peace. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In the last hours, Jesus is trying to help us become fearless people on this earth. He's trying to say your joy and your peace are not based in circumstance. And Jesus is going to bring final peace to this world. And he's going to establish a kingdom and things will be set right. But that's not the exact peace he's speaking of here. Notice he says, let not your, your heart be troubled. He's not just saying a broad scope. There's going to be peace one day. That vacant feeling of one day's peace is somewhere. He says, let your heart not be troubled. This is your peace. Jesus cares personally. He says, I want you to have peace. He wants it for his people now to be free from anxiety and free from fears, free from not trouble, but from loneliness in that trouble. He says, not as the world give I, not as the world gives peace, give I this unto you. John 16, 33 said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. But then notice he says, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. So I'm in this world, the world does not give peace. But Jesus says, I do. And I can give it now. We can have peace in any circumstance. Because Jesus brings peace in the most crucial circumstance of our life. He brings peace in our standing and in our relationship with God. Jesus has made peace with God for man. And though I'm a sinner, Jesus made peace with God. And though I've been wicked, Jesus has made peace with God. And though my righteousness is as filthy rags and it only deserves punishment and hell and destruction forever, Jesus has gone in and made peace with God. And when Dad got there today, Friday, 
didn't have to stand guiltful before his God. He didn't have to apologize. He may have felt repentance, but he didn't have to repent. He didn't have to beg to be forgiven because Jesus has gone in. Jesus has won his peace. And so this morning, therefore, we look to the cross. You say, your peace, Jesus, they're about to kill you. What kind of peace is that? It's perfect peace. Tomorrow I'm going to go to the cross. and I'm going to open the door for my sheep. That they can enter in to peace with my Father. And therefore, verse 27, therefore he says, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Receive my faith. Receive my joy. Receive my peace, Jesus says. You can have faith in God's sovereignty and control. You can have joy in God's greatness and satisfaction in your soul. You can have peace because we can have favor with God. And so, Mom, Nan and Pop, Kathy, Justin, John, Joy, my kids. Dad's dreams for us and his desires for, for us can still be carried out. His desire for our peace, for our joy, and for our faith to not stop on Friday. It continued on, and it's been fulfilled in Jesus. If you would, bow with me for a word of prayer. We're going to have one song in a moment, and then we'll be closed in prayer. I don't know what the need in this room is this morning. It's hard, in a way, to see the needs of others when you've got something of your own, but... Maybe this morning you need peace from something, in something. It's found in Jesus. Maybe you need joy. Outside of this circumstance, maybe there's something pressing in your life. I can't point you to an answer from this circumstance, but I can point you to my God. Maybe this morning you need faith. Most of you I recognize as friends. But there's one here today lost. That would wring my neck if I didn't address you. And say, if you have a thought in your heart, a doubt in your soul, and you're not sure of your faith, and you're not sure that you've taken what he did by grace alone, through faith alone, in the sacrifice of Christ.
So I ask you this morning, do you need Jesus? Is there anybody that, like that? I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to have you stand up. Nobody's going to look around. But for my own soul to be able to pray for you. And just a testimony maybe of what dad's life has had. Is there anybody here this morning you say, I'm not sure of my salvation. I'm not sure if I'm saved or lost. I'm, I don't know. I don't get all these things. No one's looking around. You quietly slide your hand up just so I can pray. By our testimony, we are Christians this morning. And so, we pray for peace and joy and faith. My wife is going to sing a song that Dad often loved to have sung at funerals because the message was true. It is not death to die, to leave this weary road and join the saints who dwell on high, who found their home with God. It is not death to close the eyes long dimmed by tears. If you know Dad, he had a lot of those. And wake in joy before your throne, delivered from our fears. It is not death to fling aside this earthly dust and rise with strong and noble wing to live among the just. It is not death to hear His key unlock the door. It sets us free from our mortal years to praise Him forevermore. Oh, Jesus, conquering the grave, Your precious blood has power to save, and those who trust in You will in Your mercy find that it's not death. It's not death to die. As she sings this song, after she's done, we'll be closed with a word of prayer and final statement from Dr. Gibbs, who Dad admired and loved. I appreciate him being here this morning. But as she sings this song, I don't know what God's doing in your heart. If you need to pray there in your seat, that's fine. If you need to pray at an altar, that may be weird different at a funeral, you, you can do that. Dad was, Dad was proud of this renovation, the altars, whatever. You can come. You can do it there at your seat. But what he wants is not just for us to remember his life, but to look to his Savior, who brought him peace and joy and faith.